Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello there. Welcome back to Your Tables Ready. I'm your host, Carol Hadar. I have two very special guests with me on the show today. It's husband and wife team, Sam Clark and Sam Clark. Yes, they are both named Sam Clark even before they were married. They're the creators of 20-year-old multi-award winning Mediterranean Moroccan fusion restaurants, Maro and Marito. Since lockdown, I've been running all my interviews over the phone, but today, because of technical issues, we had to do this over video chat, and I've never felt luckier. Chatting to the Sams, I felt so privileged to get an insight into their journey of building these London institutions, while also admiring their living room and witnessing the sort of playful way that they bounced off each other when answering questions. This episode is really enjoyable to listen to. It's truly a story of two people who just love cooking and want to share their creations with the world. Not really bothered about business, marketing, or the financial side of things. I'm rushing this episode out because Marito is opening up on Friday, tomorrow, to serve their famous brick with a new duck filling. Brick is a delicately crafted Moroccan pastry constructed of thin layers of warka, sort of a phyllo pastry. It's usually stuffed with chicken, orange blossom, and a few other spices. When Moro first opened in 1997, they created their own brick with a twist, which was a crab filling inside, and that was the moment Londoners fell in love with Moro. It's really quite poetic that they're going back to that dish to relaunch today. If you can't make it tomorrow, I do recommend buying a voucher to dine there once lockdown's lifted. You can buy these on their website. The voucher includes the amount to be redeemed, but also you get a free drink and a dessert. Restaurants really need us to do stuff like this to help keep them alive. Okay, so before we get on with the interview, if you're enjoying our show, please do share it. Also, you can subscribe at iTunes, Acast, or Spotify. We also have an Instagram account, at Your Tables Ready. There you can find photos of the businesses, the food, the owners, and DIY kits that they've been providing throughout the lockdown. Right, on with the show. Here are the Sams. How are you guys? Uh, you had a call with the council before this? Oh, yes. We were just uh, discussing when street trading will be up and running again. So we were just, you know, ironing out a few kind of things and the changes and all that kind of thing. So. Yeah. Marito Eggsmith Market is, is very small. Are they going to do the 30% capacity? Yeah. I mean, we're still waiting to hear exactly. I mean, we're hoping it'll go down to the one meter distancing but the moment is two meters which makes it virtually impossible for the marito export market so we'll just have to wait and see and uh, try and adapt as best we can yeah and how's it been overall with lockdown i mean a lot of people came out with diy kits you guys have the voucher i bought one of those for when you open thank you um has it been okay yeah, I mean, we, you know, we've had a bit of respite, obviously, from the kind of busy day-to-day life of, of running restaurants. But now the challenge is, you know, how do we get our business, which isn't uh, going to be modelled on our previous business model? How are we going to adapt and how are we going to get that running so we can attempt to try and make it work? Yeah. Well, good. I mean, I guess, so this podcast is more structured around how you actually created the restaurants. So (laughs) let's start there. So have you guys always wanted to be chefs? Yeah. I mean, personally speaking, started, you know, I was badly dyslexic and really bad at school. And and so it was just, there was nothing I could do. And then my mother worked in the theatre. So she was often wasn't there in the evenings. So I had a lot of free time to cook. And so I think I said I wanted to be a chef when I was eight or something that's awesome yeah so it was good it was good that that sort of combination of um 
freedom at home, you know, having a, mom, a working mum who was out a lot and uh, also being dyslexic <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> gave me a head start. Did and you then, end up you know, studying it or did you go straight into... Yes, no, I, I went to cooking school for two terms, which is great. And again, the first time I've been to school where I was actually good at something, you know. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, the, some of the other chefs I, I spoke to said that they just learned more from doing and, and they found actually studying it wasn't... Mm. They just couldn't finish even. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, it, it, the schooling definitely confirmed that that's what I wanted to do and then I could take the plunge and then of course when you go into a kitchen it's just like the learning curve is is incredible so um yeah you do learn a lot and you learn how to you know be on your feet all day and to move your hands quickly and all that sort of stuff yeah uh, and try not to burn yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, Sam actually was famous for her burns. And a lot of people used to think she was self-abusing. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> she had so many. They couldn't quite believe that anyone could be careless enough to have these sort of uniformed marks up your, up your arm. <laughs> they were too perfect. <laughs> was it the same for you, Sam? Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely had a very keen interest in food from an early age. So I kind of, some of my first childhood memories of thinking about food and I quickly moved on from those thoughts to actually cooking cakes and, and I would sort of cook every day from the age of about six seven and I never really stopped and but that was kind of more home cooking I went through school I went to university and uh it wasn't really until I slightly fell into a restaurant kitchen that I realized that actually I could do this as a profession so but yeah. Sam you know Sam had been to university and um you know there was still in those days quite a stigma uh if you've been to university I mean her parents thought she was gonna you know to the city or you know earn lots of money and sort of you know live quite a conventional life so when they invested all this money in her education then for her to say actually I'm cooking in a pub and I'm really happy they weren't it was there was a bit of a stigma wasn't it you had to I mean my mother didn't mind because she was happy I found something but they were like really <laughs> all this money on your education you're gonna cook was your first experience at the eagle in Farringdon or was that yes but exactly mm -hmm. Yes, so so I was in the area and I walked into the Eagle and just started chatting to the owner, Michael. And I don't know, we, we must have had a conversation about, you know, I like the menu boards up on the, on the walls above the kitchen. I like the style of the food. And I obviously had just started chatting to him and said so. And he said, oh, well, we're looking for a chef at the moment. And I said, oh, yeah, well, I could give that a go. <laughs> I'm a chef. Um, I'd never done a professional cooking job in my life. And it was a real leap into the deep end. But that was sort of relatively short-lived. And, and, you know, as Sam said, I broke my arms a lot and lots of cuts and everything. But, you know, it's only experience and you, you know, with experience, you get quicker and you get more, you know, careful and you know what to do. And, you know, that's why at Mora Marita, we, we like taking sort of young people because we can bring them on the, ourselves. And within time, you know, the good ones will, will, you know, really flourish. Yeah, that's great. Is that where you guys met as well? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we went, we were introduced to the party 
And you know, the story was we had a mutual friend and he used to talk to me about this friend who was a really talented chef. I'd already been cooking for three years and um, and she's just so talented. And when we leave university, we're going to start a restaurant together. And she's amazing. She's always cooking. And, um, you know, and I said, what's her name? And he said, Sam Clark. And, uh, and I said, well, my name's Sam Clark. So it was just this weird thing that not only... Because our friend was, um, you know, uh, was the money who, you know, he had the money to open a restaurant. So, you know, if he said he wanted to open a restaurant, he could do it. And he ended up being our first partner. Oh, really? Yeah, he was Mark Sainsbury. But there was one moment where I heard about this talented chef called Sam Clark. And I, every time her name was mentioned, it was like someone walking over my grave. Oh. <laughs> yes. Oh. So, uh, and so, yeah, so I'd been working at the Eagle for a few months and loved loved it and then Sam had finished working at the River Cafe and he wanted a you know a new experience and the Eagle Pub was the first gastro pub and had queues out the door so actually for him that was a good place to move on to and so we you know as it were we, we met cooking together at the Eagle. Oh that's interesting so did did you then go to River Cafe after? I did so I was quite I was quite you know late to the you know, I'd finished uni, so I was quite hungry to get more experience. And so after a couple of years at the Eagle, I asked Sam where I should go. And he said, well, really, you know, I had such a wonderful experience at the River Cafe. It's a really great place to learn and you should go there. So I went for an interview and, and again, had a couple of years at the River Cafe, which was amazing. And then left for a few months, and then we opened Morrow. So you guys got married, and then you've been traveling mm. around the Middle East. Did, yeah. did you go with that in mind, thinking we're going to go do some research and then come back and open our own place? Yeah, we we um, the restaurant was actually under construction because it was an old supermarket and it needed a lot of work. And so we thought rather than just stressing and looking at the builders and worrying about costs and everything, we would use that three months to um to travel okay so you had already decided you were going to open your own place yeah we'd already got the business in motion okay i mean sam has been you know sam had had wonderful experiences already going to seville and and lucia granada and i'd had also had wonderful experiences um going to spain to cordoba and so we realized we were quite enthused by you know spanish culture and um, there was no way you could eat good spanish food uh and then i've always been you know interested by islamic culture because um i've had school friends who are pakistani and so i went to pakistan quite a few times and i love the mosques and the music and i when i traveled in cordoba i was just struck by the architecture reminding me of lahore in pakistan and the, even the music being quite you know if you think nusrat fat ali khan you know that wonderful pakistani singer it reminded me a bit about the, the flamenco singers, you know, the men is that wonderful sort of wailing. It's got that same, makes your hairs on the back of your arm, you know, stick up. So I was um, fascinated by the um, cultural crossover uh, of Spain. And so um, that's, and also I loved using spices. So that's where we sort of came together and wanted to do a mixture of the Islamic influence of the Mediterranean, really. Did you so you knew so you knew what kind of food you wanted to cook? You felt you had enough experience, and then you had Mark Sainsbury as your backer. Did you have to write like a full-on business plan with him? And yeah, we did it very professionally. And I sold my flat. I've been cooking for for six years, 
and I sold my flat to invest in the business as well. So I was totally fully committed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How did you choose uh, the name and the location? Because Eggsmith Market is obviously incredible. It is what it is today. But back then, it was a very different place. It was, it was really different. I mean, we see photographs of it now, and it looks like a time warp. I mean, it, 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 there's not even any parts of London that look like that anymore because London's become so sort of like polished. And, but it was, it was, it was rough. It looked, if you ever see films, movies of the 70s London, it looked like that, even though it was the 90s. It was, sort of had this real feel. There was um, a Woolworths. It was, I think it was a Woolworths as well, our... Um, restaurant before it was a spa supermarket and then there was a motor mechanic shop there was a shop which just sold so like motor motor car bits there was a shop which was wine shop sweet independent wine shop there was a shop which just sold cards you know happy birthday mum whatever cards just and then there was there was there's little market stores selling books I and mean, it was just had a totally different feel but about half of the um, premises were empty so it was so so run down there was just no demand for anything um yeah and then they say you know the, the few shop owners who were there when we told them what we were planning they're like you're mad i don't know what you're thinking <laughs> yeah you said you're not gonna last a year but he, they um but we had a sweet american friend who opened um a, a cafe called the crowbar and he told us about expert market he said the landlord's really great and I'm thinking of opening a um another crowbar in Exford Market and you know he's and so um why don't you think about opening an Exford Market? So it was him who said that the landlord was they were quite forward thinking and they were quite, you know, not too greedy and um so yeah, oh, so it was, it, okay. So it wasn't like there's a demographic here that we want to hit. Well, it's around the corner from the Eagle, so we knew that there were lots of foodies in the area. Yeah, um, we had the Guardian around the corner as well. So, and also we were used to working there, so it wasn't you know uncharted territory completely. Yeah, we liked the the vibe of the people who came to eat at the Eagle, and so we thought, yeah. You know, um, and we, we, we'd been cooking them for, so we knew, you know, we had a bit of a insight into the area. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love, so I'm Lebanese. Um, I love when people take risks and change uh, dishes and like kind of put twists on them, like your crab frick. How did you come up with twists like that? Well, we, we uh, I mean, that dish in particular, so, you know, we love travelling. And, and as Sam said, we travelled before, while the restaurant was being built. And we travelled all around Spain and Morocco. And we had uh, sort of two trusted copies of uh, Claudia Roden, Food of Morocco, and Paula Wolfwood's Book of Moroccan Food. And we were reading about how to make the special wok of pastry to make the brick. Um, and it, we kind of, it was one of our missions when we were in Morocco to to actually watch someone make it because it's sort of fairly complicated. It's one of those things, very much a visual thing, however many times you read the method, it doesn't quite translate. Anyway, so we did eventually in Marrakesh, I think we, we found someone in the Mamounia Hotel who, who showed us how to make it. And that was enough. And obviously the traditional way of bricks, they're filled with, chicken or the famous pastilla pigeon pastilla pie um but we always like to do something slightly different so so we took the idea but then um used the crab meat and added lots of fresh coriander and chili and cumin and lemon and just wrapped it up in these very very thin sheets of pastry that we made um on, on that note uh, i'm going to be doing a duck brick and selling it at marito 
on Friday. Oh, awesome. This week. Yeah. 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 So I'm cooking it. I'm cooking it from home. And then I'm making a sort of tagine with the duck, which we've never done before. And, um, and then we're going to serve it with a bit of rose harissa, probably. And uh, so, yeah, that'll be a first. So, <laughs> Will people just kind of like a flyby, like come over, pick it up and go? Or can they eat it standing outside? I think they can eat it standing outside. Will yeah. you be yeah. serving drinks? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're, we're um, not open drinks, but we're, we're selling bottles of wine and beer. and People have been buy, buying cheeky sangrias. I don't know if it's allowed. <laughs> No, no, we haven't been doing that. Oh, we have. Oh, sangria, sangria. is a beer, not a sangria. Yeah, sangria. No, no, everything needs to be closed. Uh, But no, so we're doing quite a few things. I'm making harissa. You know, we're just slowly easing into the kind of takeaway stuff. And as I said before, just sort of gently easing back and seeing how it's going to work. So we're just experimenting. Did you guys have to do any advertising when you opened or were you relying on reviews? Well, it was, you know, it's just a very different world out there. Um, We were really lucky. We had very good reviews when we first opened. And in those days, you know, we had the luxury of not needing a PR company. And, you know, we relied, relied on word of mouth. And yeah, and then it just sort of took off. And then, and then every time we we, we wrote a book, you know, we've written four books now. Uh, uh, every time we've written a, a book, then the the um, publishers would pay for PR for the book. Yes, that's true. So every two years, we'd have or two or three years, we'd have a little sort of um, injection of PR, which publishers would. So just remind people we were there, what we were doing, new recipes, and so that was our. And then the books became our sort of, in a way, oh, our cool. PR. And how did you come yeah. up with the name Moro? A Spanish friend of ours, she said, well, you know, I have to say that in Spain, Moroccans are called El Moro, you know, Moro, and it's slightly derogatory. It's not, but, it, but you know, they, they do. And then we just, we thought it's a beautiful name. It's an ancient word. Beautiful word. Well. And we Googled it and it, and it, you know, comes from the ancient Greek, Moros meaning Eastern. So it's people from the East. So, um, so yes, yes. So it's an ancient Greek word. And, and it's used a lot in Italy as well. You know, um, but again, it's got usually Moro means the Moors, um, and that word is used um, mm. in Italy as well. But in Spain, it's just a, you know, it's not that polite in Spain. But she said, I don't know whether you should use it. And I said, you know what? It's I, fine in England. No one's going to, you know, and we've never had any. We've never had anyone mention it. And uh, and well, no, uh, it hasn't stopped Moroccan chefs. <laughs> okay, that's good. <laughs> And then how long after having Moro running successfully did you think we're going to open Marito? And then why did you choose right next door? So we opened, so Moro opened 97, 1997, and then we opened the little Marito uh, in 2010. Um, Before that, we um, had taken on that next door shop and rented it out so we took the back third because we needed some extra space but we didn't need the front two-thirds at the time and so we rented it out for a while it was the Brindisa Deli lovely Spanish food yeah and they were there for for a while and then and then you know they decided to leave and then we were kind of at the time it wasn't very you know good time to rent things and so we struggled to find someone and then we thought, well, hang on, you know, 
We love, uh, there's nothing we love more than going to a small tapas bar in Spain. You know, just a little hole in the wall somewhere. And, you know, come on, we can make this work and we can just do little tapas and mezze because we're, you know, Moro and, and the, it's the mix between the Spanish and the Eastern Mediterranean. And so that's what we decided to do. We, and, and so, it, um, it, you know, as you've been, you know, it's just a, a very sort of small orange bar that seats a few people and then there's four tables, you know, and then we just serve, you know, the tapas and mezze. And the, um, you know, the orange bar was uh, one of our favourite bars near where we have a house in, in Las Apojadas. Um, they've got, they had this orange formica bar and I was like, <laughs> I love this bar. <laughs> I want an orange formica bar. <laughs> So it did come from our favorite little tapas. That's awesome. So it was your idea as well. You didn't have to hire someone to come up with that vision. No, no. And then it's got, and then the pictures on the wall are done by my father because he was he lived in Spain for a bit, and um, and he was commissioned to do a bullfighting poster because he was an artist. So it's Aww. his bullfighting poster. Oh, that's so awesome. I'm imagining it right now. <laughs> and then what made you guys move on to open in Hackney Road? Well, we lived in Hackney. We lived uh, uh, just off Columbia Road for a long time, and we loved that area. And for us, you know, uh, you know, we knew Exmouth Market well. We lived and breathed Bethnal Green, Green Street, Hackney, and we felt that uh, that that area would work well for us. And one day, we weren't necessarily looking for it, but someone, you know, told us about this space and. Yeah, it's kind of ticked the boxes. And we love the model of Marito because it's, you know, perhaps a bit more in tune with the kind of lighter eating, a bit more casual, uh, you know, younger generations who, you know, morrow is a bit more expensive. I mean, it, it, I must say, with the first Marito, I, I remember before it opened, just sort of, seeing all the young people walking down next with market and um, thinking, you know, these guys are not eating in Morrow and um, there must be, you know, we need to attract them. So in a way, I, I joke that Marito X with market was our happy <laughs> meal for Morrow. Just like, get them in young and, uh, and, uh, and then they'll get a taste of our food and they'll trust us. And then when they get old and rich, <laughs> they'll come and eat at Morrow. But it is, it does sort of, work as well with uh, Hackney Road is that it's a younger crowd. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Did you have someone help you guys design that one? Because it's beautiful. Yes, we did. I mean, we have a friend um, called, uh, who's a, an artist, and he's an artist friend of ours. And, um, you know, he helps source stuff. But we, but like, the, there's a dado line in, uh, you know, so both Moro and the Maritos have a dado line, uh, like, a you know, a band of colour. And, you know, we've always, the garages in Spain always have these really beautiful colour combination dado lines. So Samantha's always taking photographs <laughs> of uh, the dado lines in um, garages in Spain. <laughs> so, and so this was a direct copy from a garage in Spain. The, oh, there's a pale blue and an orange. Oh, I love bucket. it. So much thought goes into this. I love it. <laughs> well, we like we like kind of the personal, you know, us all pulling our personal ideas when it comes to design. We keep it quite simple, but we prefer that 
as opposed to getting sort of, uh, you know, a designer and, per um, se to do them. And also, some I travelled, you know, in Lebanon, in Syria, and also in Pakistan. And sometimes I'd say, why am I so happy in this place? Why, you know, you'd be in a, a restaurant or a cafe, and I'm just so happy here. And then, what is it? And then I'd look up, and there'd be like neon <laughs> lighting. It's like, oh my god, you know, you, you, it, you know, lighting doesn't matter if the food's delicious. Lighting doesn't matter. So, some people tell you you've got to spend thousands and thousands of pounds on expensive lighting. But we realised when we were in Syria, some of our best restaurants were these sort of strip lighting on the ceiling. So we copied and we took photographs of the diamond shape. So both Maritos both oh, cool. have strip lighting because um, neon lighting, because we just because we realised that it's sort of got its own quality. And if you want to make an atmosphere, you want to be different. And so the lighting, we made decisions to have neon lighting in. In both it feels like everything was kind of smooth sailing. Did anything ever happen that you were like, I don't know how to do this or shit, why did we do that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, 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 it was very important when we started off. Sorry, yeah, Mark, our partner, Mark Sainsbury, he was very hands-on and he was yeah. he did all of the front of house stuff and he had another partner, uh, front of house help. So we had really focused front of house people. So Sam and I didn't have to worry about payrolls or, you know, right. the sort of boring stuff, really. So it did free us up. We could just totally focus on, on the food. And so every chef really does need that person behind the scenes, sort mm. of, what A, being great with mm. customers, but also, you know, in the office and n number crunching and stuff. So we, mm. we were very lucky for the first five, ten years uh, that we really be, could trust doing all the boring stuff. And that because that meant we could just focus on the food. Oh, so he was hands-on. Yeah. It wasn't just funding. Mm. No, no. Yeah, and, and, you know, and he, you know, set up the systems very well from a house, the training, as Sam said, really well. So, you know, when you start off with solid, good building blocks, then that, you know, obviously is, is a massive boost. And it's the first two years that are really crucial to really try and get, get going yeah, as a business. the whole sort of cash flow. Yeah. How long did it take thing. to become cash yeah. positive? Well, pretty quick, actually. <laughs> Morrow, Morrow, Morrow uh, was quite, yeah, we were surprised. But, you know, what, I mean, what is weird is that we, it's almost, when the lockdown closes, I mean, we're sort of going to be in the same position we were when we started, you know. So a lot of these restaurants got all this experience, but it's like restarting the engine when it's been switched off for a long time. And it's, you hope you're going to be as slick and as focused and as organized as you were 20 years ago. But it's, it's, it's basically like starting a new business now with yeah, all the debt that yeah. comes with it. So, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be quite a test for, for all of the restaurant industry or for, for, for lots of businesses. But but I think, yeah, restaurant is because, you know, we've got to. Yeah, yeah it's, it, it sounds like it's going to be rough for everybody. Yeah. yeah. Which restaurant did you spend most of your time in before? And I guess which one do you think you will now when you reopen? Well, I mean, certainly Samuel, well, both of us really, Morrow. Um, you know, Marita next door is very much run from the Morrow kitchen as well in terms of prep and teaching and communication with the chefs. So we all work together, really. And then the Hackney Road, you know, I, I go there a lot just to, you know, oversee things, try things chat to people so you know th there's only so much we can achieve and and we're not out to run a whole load of 
chains or anything. So we, you know, we we still enjoy the creative process and the creative side of, and the cooking, the hands-on cooking, which is why we were there in the first place. And that's what we always said we would still want to be able to do that. What is one of the items on your menus that you enjoy making? Um, well, it's it's a bit like whatever's new. So at the moment, I'm I'm really excited about making this duck tagine and and getting the flavour balance, all the spices, and then getting the right texture, and then wrapping it in the parcels. And and I'm you know I'm looking forward to knowing what people's reaction is. If it's going to be good. I mean, I actually gave it to the kids and some friends last night to try, and it was a good. It was a good. Oh, um, good. A good response. But um, but yeah, so I'm really excited about that it's also it's the first time i've cooked for the public for since for a long time so yeah. you know i mean it's a bit like an actor or a musician we like treading the boards we like doing it we're there to give pleasure to people and to excite them and um you know that's sort of what we get off of but this is just well, to answer your question it's, it's whatever's new whatever's the latest thing to come from the head and the heart that's mm. what excites us the most i've been making quite a lot of bread that's what I've been doing oh, yeah. during so the amazing. lockdown. Yeah, very good. So, you know, it's just actually, you know, all those things you have in your head that you really just need a little bit of time and space to be able to concentrate on. Uh, well, and we, one of them... We've been gardening, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of gardening. Yeah, I was going to ask, actually, is it, did you get that allotment to actually grow your own veg or was it more just for enjoyment? Like, as in grow it for the restaurant? No, no, we're not allowed to grow anything for the restaurant and and the restaurant would sort of eat it up immediately so um it, it, no it's very much for our own kind of but pleasure it sort of keeps you in touch with the seasons though yeah so, that's true you know it's so you know when you see something coming through it's like oh my god i must hassle my the veg guys that you know when that when's that going to be ready and da, da, da. but we've got i mean we're lucky enough we've got a bit we've got a garden as well and and so we've got a fig tree in the garden and so this time of year you have to prune your fig tree to make all of the energy go into the fruit not to keep on growing so we're usually left with a whole bin bag of fig shoots and leaves and then we take it to the restaurant and we make oh wow fig leaf ice cream <laughs> so we make the same uh, ice cream like we do with the rose water and cardamom ice cream but we just reduce the cardamom and and don't have any rose water and then you, you make a tea with the fig leaves and you get this amazing uh, aroma and, and, and taste. And we usually serve, serve that with a caramelized fig. So we, we get great figs here, but you know, the fig leaves are a byproduct and, it, and you get loads of them. So we can use that for, for the restaurant. And then we've also got an almond tree in the garden and we pickle the green almonds and we pickle them. So we've got green almond pickle you know so those we do give some things to restaurant but you're also not meant to give things from the allotment because it's meant to be for yeah um i like to end all my interviews with asking when you're not eating at your own restaurants where do you like going well i mean um i you know we we, we just always we've always loved street food and we've always loved you know ethical food so i mean we, we we actually don't Although Ottolenghi is a fantastic chef, we don't go to his restaurants that much because it's like similar flavours to we do. Even the River Cafe, we're quite familiar with, even the great restaurant, we're quite familiar with those flavours. So we go to Cheyenne Impressions, which looks onto the Arsenal Stadium. And I love all the sort of beef tendon noodles and the cold salads. And, and I mean, for me, that's just like, you know, the flavours are so exciting and, and so delicious. And it, so... 
Yeah, mostly ethnic restaurants. We love those sort of like places, cheap and cheerful, honest, um, incredible flavors. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. (laughs) Really nice. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Bye. Just one of the most respected restaurants in London. What an honor to hear their story. I'll be heading to Marito Exmouth Market tomorrow to check out Sam's new duck brick recipe. I'll also have a few beers and wander around and pretend like life is normal again. Thanks so much, and I'll see you all next week.